listening to First Church Charlotte. I'm preaching today from this subject, between Bethel and a heap of ruins. Between Bethel and a heap, a heap of ruins. I... I very much want to uh, present the word of the Lord in a manner in which uh, it can produce fruit in your life. Um, it's, it's fairly straightforward for any one of us to uh, spend time in devotion or to take a book uh, or sit with our Bibles and, and learn and grow from it. And that's a good thing. Uh, but when we come together like this, uh, I, I feel this, this spiritual compulsion uh, to, uh, as it were, re- organize the church as an army, not, not just as individuals kind of making our way, but as a spiritual force to be contended with. Uh, I believe it's the will of the Lord that every church in America uh, is a spiritual force representing uh, the kingdom of God. Can I have a big amen? I want to... I want to ask you as a way of introducing you to this, uh, the themes I'm going to talk about and as a way of preparing your heart to receive uh, what the Spirit would say to you today, I, I want to ask you to consider uh, these questions. Do you know who you are in God? Uh, do you know who you are in God? Secondly, I would like you to consider this question. Do you know your place in spiritual becoming? Uh, it's important for us to know who we are in God, and I don't mean that in a dramatic sense. The Lord may use any of us in a dramatic way, a glorious way, a powerful way, but it was always God's power. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say that? Um, God may use any of us in a dramatic way, but it was always God's power. Uh, it's not the pizza box that everyone talks about. <laughs> it's the pizza. So I want, I want you to have a sense in your spiritual becoming, uh, that, that the Lord is taking you somewhere. So the first question is, do you know who you are in God? The second question was, uh, do you know your place in spiritual becoming? Uh, you are on a journey of faith. And finally, I want to ask you this. And to be fair, this is the hardest of the three questions uh, to answer for each uh, of us. And that is this, can you perceive God's mission upon? On you. So the first question, if knowing who you are in God, this is fairly straightforward, although there are levels to it. Uh, the first thing that you need to know about who you are in God is that you have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. You need to know that you are no longer your own, but you have been made a partaker of God's promises. Therefore, you who were afar off, you who were spiritual orphans, you have been adopted. The Lord has given you his name. You are no longer uh, far away. You have been brought close by uh, the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. The second thing is your place in becoming. All of us uh, are in uh, moments of time, and it's a strange year, it's a strange time, uh, and yet God has placed us here. Let me, let me uh, dwell here for a moment. Uh, you might wish that you had lived in a different time, but none of that matters. God's placed you here. You have to have a sense of who you are and where 
where you are. And then having, having accepted, acknowledged, even embraced these things, you need to have in your life, you need to have an eyes to see uh, the mission that God has uh, arranged for you to pursue. You need to perceive uh, the the, the journey of carrying the kingdom, the journey of speaking the truths of your king to uh, your world, your mission given to you by God, not just on a Sunday, not just when things are feeling spiritual, but as a necessary facet of your very spiritual existence. So, This is kind of a process of becoming uh, useful, uh, becoming a part, uh, becoming a tool in the hand of God, and uh, it is is the right path for all of us to walk. Uh, There's an author by the name of Dave Harvey, and he wrote a book entitled Rescuing Ambition. Uh, he, he tells a personal story in it that I think could be helpful for us uh, as we, we continue along here today, and, and, and that's simply this. He, he, he tells of how for so many years he was unable uh, to get deep sleep. He had, he had uh, bad sleep apnea, and he, as a result, because he never got deep sleep, uh, he never had dreams. Uh, he may have dreamt, but they were never at the time and the place of his rest where he would, he would remember them. And he went to see a doctor, and they actually did some surgery on him because his uh, apnea was so bad. And after the surgery, he wrote uh, uh, this, uh, I didn't even know I had lost my dreams until I found them, or rather they were returned to me. Actually, they were rescued, airlifted from some cold, lifeless crevice where dreams hibernate until the arrival of deep sleep or something like that. Once he was able to get rest, he discovered that he had dreams. Now, this is just a personal example from a person's literal sleep. It is true that if you are not sleeping well, you will uh, not have dreams. You will not remember dreams. Um, It is something that is emergent in some stage of your sleep that is not always easy uh, for us to get to. Uh, That said, uh, there is a spiritual uh, lesson here here that I think can be shown to us in in the scripture. Um, You can see this idea in the word of the Lord of of having dreams given by God. It's a continual thing. Uh, It's really one of the first spiritual moments of awakening an individual has. Now, In the word of the Lord, you'll see people who are far from where they should be have dreams. You will see people who aren't even believers have dreams. It's almost a type of of, of first awakening for many, many people. Heathen kings, what do they do? Uh, They awake with dreams. uh, Unbelievers, they have dreams. And so it is that uh, in in this moment, it is as though an individual becomes aware of a world that is is beyond this world. Now, having laid this out for you here today, I 
I want to return you to a place we've talked a lot about in recent days. It's kind of the style of my, my Bible study and my personal devotion that I'll, I'll get to a place in the scripture and I, I stay there a little while. I, I've been talking to you about Jacob. I've been talking to you about his fleeing from his brother. I've been talking to you about him dreaming in Bethel and here he is, this, this, this awakening he has, having this dream of the heavenlies. Now, uh, Jacob is not in a great place when he has this dream. He's not, shall we say, a mature believer. He, he is uh, a cheater and he's a crook and he has tricked his father, lied to his father. Um, he's running now for, for his life because his brother Esau is threatening him. He's not really in a place where you want to talk about uh, this is an example of how one should live and yet even here, what's happening? Uh, he is having dreams of the heavenly. Bethel becomes a place where uh, as though heaven is connected uh, to earth and Jacob, desperate and exhausted, uh, using a stone for a pillow, dreams of heavens above and not just unreachable and untouchable, but a ladder connecting that world of the spirit with this here and now that he is living in. And even though he's in a desperate place and even though he is uh, not the best example of, of Christian uh, probity, shall we say, uh, even so, he's having dreams of heaven, and he is, has a sense of connection between heaven and earth and ministering spirits ascending and descending, and Bethel is that place of awakening. He, he shakes off his slumber, and he says, the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not, and he calls it the house of of God. Bethel is this place of dreams. It's this place of awakening. Yes, it's a place of spiritual connection, but uh, Jacob can't stay in Bethel. Jacob has a whole journey that the Lord has uh, laid out for him. He is to sojourn with God. He is to become, but in this moment, this spiritual moment, it's as though he is shaken awake with a realization that God is here and God is connecting to him and the ministering spirits of the Lord are connecting to him. Bethel is a place of dreams. It's not a place of mission. Bethel is the house of God, yes, but Bethel is not heaven. Uh, I want you to see this. Bethel uh, is not heaven. <laughs> it's uh, earth connected to heaven. And Bethel is solidly a part of the here and now, but it has a heavenly ladder as a church, we want to be a place of spiritual connection. Can I have a big amen? We want to be a place where people can come. And the issue is not if they're where they ought to be. The issue is that there's a ladder to the heavenlies here. The issue is not have they been approved in every regard of their life. The issue is, is there ministering spirits of the Lord ascending and descending here? And I, I want to say very clearly that a healthy church is a place where people who aren't where they ought to be can find connection to the heavenlies. They, in this place, desperate, driven, fearful, they are brought to a divine 
disappointment. Jacob is going to pass through Bethel. Jacob's not where he needs to be. Jacob needs a sense of God in the heavens above, but not God distant. He needs a sense of God in the heavens, but God near. Every one of us need a sense of the nearness of God in our life. It's not enough for us to get a blessing on Sunday. It's not enough for us to come and maybe have some good teaching or some good singing. We need a sense that God is with us. Because then we become more than a type of Sunday Christian, but we become spiritual people. And that is the goal for all of us. And so uh, here Jacob is awoken to this reality that this is a special place. Now Bethel, watch this, Bethel will remain this image of connection uh, through the scriptures and the stories of the Old Testament. I'll come to that uh, again in just a moment. But I, I want you to perceive here the sense that Jacob cannot stay in Bethel. He has to go on his journey. But this is the awakening awakening where he has dreams of the heavens above. And uh, this idea is shown to us repeatedly in the scripture. You will remember other uh, people like Moses. Moses thinks that God has given up on him. Moses thinks that uh, the, his, his day of opportunity has passed. And uh, he's stuck as a shepherd, uh, the lowest occupation in the eyes of Egypt. And that is where jo- jo- uh, 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 Moses has fallen from. And he wants was a a prince and a general in in Egypt, but now he's a shepherd in the wilderness, and there is a bush burning in the distance, and it's a wonder. Why is it a wonder? It's not consumed. It burns and burns, but it is not consumed. In other words, it is a spiritual fire, not a natural fire, and drawn to this, he is amazed, and the Spirit of the Lord speaks to him, and the Spirit of the Lord doesn't say, Moses, you're right where you ought to be. (laughs) The Spirit of the Lord says you're standing on holy ground. What does Moses do? He responds to that. He takes off his shoes, standing on holy ground. But here is the issue. Remember the questions I asked you at the beginning. Do you feel like you know who you are in God? Do you feel like you have a sense of becoming something in God? And finally, do you feel like you have a sense of God's mission upon your life? This is the moment for Moses. He's on holy ground, yes. But the plan is not to stay here. The plan is to wake up here. And having awoken with dreams of heaven, uh, Moses, I have a mission for you to pursue. And so Moses comes to himself in a holy place, but the mission is not to pitch a tent there. The mission is not to build a temple there. The mission is to perceive that God is near and God wants to use you For a kingdom purpose, Moses, I want you to go and I want you to stand before Pharaoh and I want you to be my mouthpiece. I want you to manifest my word. You're going to say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go. Moses, you're on holy ground, but you don't get to stay here. You are going to be given divine mission. I want us as people in this hour, this generation to understand this. 
It's not enough for us to come together and to be satisfied with good church. We have dreams of mission given to us at church, but the hand of the Lord is upon you because he believes he can use you for his kingdom throughout the whole metro area. I am here to preach to you and tell you you are more anointed than you ever dreamed that you were. You are more spiritually gifted than you ever dreamed you are. Some of you don't want to say amen because you're like, oh, what will it mean if I really face the fact that God's hand is upon me? I'm telling you what it's going to mean. Once you realize who you are and once you realize how God is developing you, it is natural for you to perceive the mission that God has given for you. And so Bethel is the house of God, yes, uh, but uh, he's not going to get to stay there. Moses, you're on holy ground, yes, but you don't get to stay here. And uh, finally, uh, you see Peter in Matthew 17, and you see the transfiguration of the Lord, and here's Elijah, and here is Moses, the law and the prophets, and, and, Moses, and, and, and it's amazing, and it's wonderful, and what does Peter want to do? He wants to stay. Peter, he wants to say, let's build here three uh, tabernacles, three temples. Let's, let's celebrate this moment, and what will the Lord not allow Peter to do? The Lord will not allow Peter to build tabernacles. He will not allow Peter to stay. Why? Because the mission isn't here. The mission is in the valley. The mission is where people are oppressed. The mission is where children are possessed of demons. The mission is where families are being destroyed. The mission is down there, Peter. Yes, you're here. Yes, you need your eyes open. Yes, you need to have dreams of heaven, but you're not going to be satisfied with that. You're going to have a purpose right where you are. Church, we can never, we can never substitute an experience for a mission. Experience is wonderful. Experience is glorious. I've had amazing experiences with God. I have at times been in services where I didn't know whether I was in the body or in the spirit. <laughs> I was so caught up, I did not know. I've laid in altars after everybody's gone home. I've laid uh, in uh, on concrete floors at camp meeting grounds where they didn't have air conditioning, and I looked like I had taken a shower in a suit, but I laid on the ground and I wept before the Lord. I've had experiences, but an experience is not a mission. An experience places the dreams of glory in your head, but you're not going to get to stay there. There is a work. Somebody say yes. There is a work for everyone to do. That includes you. That includes me. That includes First Church. We cannot let experience be a substitute for mission. Do you know who you are in God? I'm glad about that. Do you have a sense of who you are becoming in God? I'm glad about that. And can you perceive the anointing resting upon on you. This is what it means to be uh, God's priests and God's, uh, his kings and his priests, uh, his ambassadors in the here and now. This is what it means. Let me show you a couple things in the scripture. Uh, this image of Bethel as a teaching uh, place will, will, will be shown to you not just in the life of Jacob. It's also shown in the life of Abraham. Abraham is Jacob's grandfather. And if you were to read in Genesis 12 or Genesis 13, you'll find that Abraham is living between 
Bethel and Ai. Now, in the Genesis account, it's spelled with an H, so it'd be uh, Ai or Hai, H-A-I, um, but it's the same place that will later be written as Ai. Uh, it is, of course, not uh, artificial intelligence. It is a city uh, in the ancient world, and it literally means a heap of ruins. What does Bethel mean? Bethel means the house of God. And where is Abraham, the father of the faithful, the example of all of us, one who listened to God's voice and responded to it. Where is he living? He's living between the house of God and he is uh, between Bethel and Ai. Ai means a heap of ruins and that is exactly where Abraham is living between the two. Um, uh, I, I, would, I would like to say and I would, or I'd like to think that I, we could live our lives in some a spiritual dream zone where every day we have our own escort of angels, um, and we're always in heavenly places. Uh, I know some Christians who uh, they 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 feel like that if they're in the real world, then they are missing this, the the will of the Lord. Um, I, I want to do a public service alert for everyone. Um, you're right where God intended you to be. Uh, that where you are is where God intended you to be. Uh, and so the idea that uh, you are, uh, or Abraham is out of God's will between these two places, and it'd be easy to preach the message and, and, and just make it simple like this. You know, you need to go back to Bethel. Uh, you got to spend your life in the house of God. Well, th- there's this problem. Um, uh, we are placed in the here and now. We are placed in uh, uh, this world. We, we have, like Jacob, a sense of the heaven above. But in the meantime, we have a sense of uh, the temporal and the short, the, 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 the short-lived things in our lives. Uh, we live our lives between the heavens above and uh, the earth beneath. We literally become like Abraham placed between the house of God and a heap of ruins. And if we are immature in our faith or weak in our spiritual disciplines, we will value the things of this world too much. We will value uh, this life as though this is what we are living for. Let me remind everyone, this life is not the life in which you are rewarded. This is the life in which we give ourselves to God and submit to his will. It's the next life that we are rewarded in. I want all of you to be blessed. I hope you have nice things. I think most of you, compared to much of the world, have very nice things. Uh, It's easy for us Americans to compare ourselves to the richest person in the neighborhood and make ourselves miserable. And if you want to do that, I can't stop you. It's very first world of you to do that. But the truth is, compared to most of the world, we are, we are very, very blessed. Can I have an amen? Uh, we, are, we, we should be thankful for that. I want you to have nice things, and I'm glad you have nice things, but you cannot live as though those things are eternal. You cannot live your life as though the temporal is enough because you are spiritual people. Not just that, you are God's chosen people. You have been chosen, you have been called, and you are showing yourself faithful to live a certain kind of life, the kind of life that Abraham showed us how to live. And here we are between Bethel and a heap of ruins, and here we live We live our life as people of faith. We're always trapped. We're always bridging two realities on one hand is eternity and on the other hand is a heap of stuff that will fade away. And our flesh wants us to care about the stuff that'll fade away. And our spirit wants to woo us to the house of God.
Like the old preacher said years ago, I have two dogs on the inside. They said, well, which one's winning? He said, a good dog and a bad dog. And they said, which one's winning? He said, well, whichever one I feed. Uh, this same idea is true. We have within us the potential to see the heavens above. And we also have the potential to be obsessed with the things of this world. And we succeed or fail as spiritual people. I'm preaching to people who've been called of God. I'm preaching to people who are God's children. You have been invested in by heaven. God has placed you. God has ordained you. And I'm preaching to you the test of faith for us is the fact that we bridge two worlds. We are in this world, but not really of this world. At the same time, we can't pretend that all we care about is caught up in the heavenlies. We can't hide behind church walls and pretend that good church is all we need. In fact, we have to use church as part of the mission, not as a self-serve mechanism. It has to be part of the mission. It has to be part of our ability to influence our world and draw people to a relationship with God. We live between these realities, between Bethel and a heap of ruins. And there is a desperate need for us in this hour to be freed from the things of this world and to pursue with true spiritual zeal the things of God. Can I have some agreement in this hour? Let me tell you a story that is uh, uh, in the same manner these other ones have been illustrative in this this context. Let me tell you one more uh, about uh, this lesson of Bethel and Ai. Um, Ai is a city that was one of the uh, cities blocking the entrance of the children of Israel into the promised land. And you can read the story uh, in Joshua of how God uh, had brought his children through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. And now he is going to lead them in. And the first battle they fight, you will, if you've spent any time in the word, you'll know, uh, is Jericho and the famous battle of Jericho. Uh, Jericho's interesting because God fights the battle for them. They really don't fight the battle What they do is they march and they worship. They shout with a great shout. They blow the ram's horn. And God does a great victory and the walls of the city uh, are demolished. The victory is given to them by the Lord. The first battles of our our journey and our story are almost always uh, completely won by the Lord. Um, And so the result of this uh, is that they they almost, God breaks down the walls for them. They, They receive this victory from the Lord, and as a result of this, everything taken from that victory is to be given to the Lord. This is an example uh, in the scripture of what you would call first fruits, also where we get tithing uh, in all the different um, uh, generations of the church, and the first of what I have is given to the Lord as a way of making the rest of what I have holy. Uh, this is the principle of first fruits. So this first victory that they win is going to be dedicated unto the Lord, uh, in its entirety, but there's secret sin among them, and uh, one individual takes what is supposed to be the Lord's, and he hides it in his tent, and the Lord is displeased. Now, uh, this is a different time. It's a different era, a different revelation of God, a demonstration of God. We live in a day of grace. I'm thankful for that. Almost all of the stories of ancient time read very harsh to our modern ears. It's not, not just the Bible. You can read any, any collection of stories from the ancient world, and all of them will read pretty harshly. Uh, This sin becomes uh, an example of 
of the purity of heart. It's a, it's a heart issue. This isn't public sin. This is hidden sin. Uh, as believers, we have to be careful of, of hidden sin in our life because it has, a, it has a, a tremendously damaging effect upon us. And this is the example here. And so when they go to Ai, this city that's going to be the battle they fight, not the battle the Lord fights, but the battle they fight, uh, they are defeated by a city that should not have defeated them. It, it's not much of a city. It's just a more of a way stop on uh, the road. They should not have been defeated, but they uh, were defeated, and, and a good many of their men are, are killed in this battle, and they seek the Lord, and they realize the, the hidden sin, the secret sin. They make things right, and now the Lord tells them, and this is Joshua chapter number six, the Lord tells them to go back to Ai. You have to go back to the place of your defeat. You could make an argument from military tactics that it would be better to just go around the city. Don't fight over the city, just go around it. It's not enough to be a strategic disadvantage of you, uh, behind you. Um, you're, you're, you just go around it, but the Lord will not allow that, and he tells them to go back to the place of their defeat. And so, uh, they do, and there uh, they win a victory that is given to them uh, by the Lord. They go back, things are different, their heart is right, and victory is given to them. Uh, this, again, is the lesson of Bethel and Ai. Ai, this, this, this uh, heap of ruins, and Bethel, the house, the house of God. Uh, just like the children of Israel, we need victory over uh, Ai. We need victory over uh, the temporal, the things of this world, the desire for uh, the life the world can offer to us. And uh, in their defeat, and I'm almost done, just give me a moment more. In their defeat, uh, the Lord speaks to, uh, to Joshua before they go back to Ai, and he says this to them, and our musicians can come. He says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai, for I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land, God said go back and face the place of your greatest defeat. We need the power of God in our life to overcome the AIs, the, the lusts of the flesh, the things of this world. And uh, this reality of fear is something we all know. Fear has a real effect on us. Fear, uh, Bible shows us, can uh, lead, lead us to sin. Fear can, fear can immobilize our spiritual life. Fear can uh, make God's word and God's promise and God's uh, uh, really is protection in our life uh, much uh, less visible to us. It's almost as though we're blind to his work when we're filled with uh, a fear. And I had to ask myself the question, however, that although I thought I understood a good bit about fear, why would the Lord say, be not afraid and do not be discouraged? So here you have people trying to possess a land that God said was theirs. And for us, it's a spiritual example. For them, it was a life they lived. It's history for them. For us, it's spiritual teaching. And the Lord says, um, look, you're able to take this land and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with you and I've, I've prepared you and they go in and the first battle they fight that the Lord doesn't fight for them, they lose. 
and they're filled with fear and they have to get victory over AI and the Lord says to them don't be afraid uh, don't be discouraged and I, I spent a lot of time the last few days thinking about the difference in fear and discouragement uh, actually looked at every resource I could find uh, for some difference between fear and discouragement and I couldn't find anything and all the places that I go to to, to look for ideas, commentaries, dictionary. I go uh, everywhere I can go. Uh, I, I, it's like the preacher said, you know, when it comes to preaching, I milk a lot of cows, but I churn my own butter. <laughs> and a lot of times as a preacher, you do that. You go and you look for, you know, as I look for anywhere I could find the difference in fear and discouragement and why the Lord would say both. It almost sounds like he's just repeating himself. Don't be afraid. Don't be in terror. But that's not what he says, you know. He doesn't really repeat himself. He says fear and discouragement. And yesterday, uh, spending some time reflecting upon it and uh, seeking direction, uh, I felt the Spirit nudge me and speak this into my heart. And that's basically this. Fear is a short-term response that everybody has. Fear is a short-term response, but discouragement is a long-term belief system that you embrace. So fear... Fear says something bad may happen to me. Discouragement says I'm the kind of person that bad things happen to. You see? One is a short-term response. The other is a belief system. So you go through some tough times and you, you, you've had some rough hours and difficulty in your life. And, and inst- instead of just like overcoming fear, you begin to wonder if you're not the kind of person that attracts tough times. Now you're discouraged. <laughs> uh, yeah, initially, you were afraid you wouldn't be able to make your mortgage. Uh, pretty soon, you come to believe that you're, you're the kind of person who uh, has bad credit. You know, <laughs> uh, Now you're discouraged. The trap for us in the battle, the struggle for us in the spiritual wrestling is between uh, these these two worlds. We don't really get to stay in Bethel. We 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 visit Bethel, uh, but we are firmly placed in the here and now. And this generation needs revival. And your family needs revival. And your neighborhood needs a light. Can I have a man? You are anointed. And I'm here to tell you, you are more anointed than you think you are. You are closer to an outpouring, closer to a breakthrough than you allow yourself to think that you are. I want to tell somebody, you're closer to a breakthrough breakthrough than you've allowed yourself to believe. You've been so busy, worried about identity who am I in God and worried about becoming who am I becoming in God that you have let slip the point of it all and that is what is your God-given mission what is your God-given calling I'm here to tell you God wants to take everything that's happened to you and he wants to use it for his glory every struggle you faced every tear you've cried every disappointment you've ever come through every time you didn't want to come to church and you showed up at church anyway God wants to use that as a testimony of what he can do in your life your world needs revival 
I'm here to tell you, we already have a ladder in the church house. This is already the house of God. You might even say when we're here worshiping the God, in the Lord and pouring out our spirit, yes, we're in our place. We're doing our thing. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It, I, I love it. But let me tell you, uh, the church, you can always say the church needs revival, but compared to your world, it's your world that needs revival. You need to stand in this house and have your spirit open to dreams of heaven above. And then you need to take that connection to a world that is trapped in the temporal, trapped in the short term, trapped in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. It all amounts to a heap of ruins. It's all going to perish with a great heat. It all will mean nothing in the long term. It's all going to pass away. But eternity, you need to get eternity and dreams of God in your head because you are God's man, God's woman that can touch Bethel and live in the real world and be a ladder of spiritual connection to the people God has ordained you to manifest his kingdom to. Would you stand with me all across the house? I'm believing for a revival in this community. I'm believing for a breakthrough of evangelism in this community. I'm believing, Lord, that you would take this church, you would take our efforts and our abilities, and you would use it for your glory, oh God. I'm praying for every believer here. I believe they're so close to real revival. They're so close to becoming who they can be in you that the enemy is, is, is worried that they're going to see, they're going to perceive, and they're going to step up. Oh God, don't let us miss this day of our visitation. You use everything ultimately for your purpose and your kingdom. So use this hour. Use the confusion of this time. Use the confusion of this uh, dilemma that our society is in. And let revival come to us and through us. In Jesus' name I pray. Would you lift your hands all across the house and would you tell the Lord, Lord, I want to be your vessel. I want to be a ladder of anointing. I want to ministering spirits of heaven to use my connection to people to let revival happen in my world to see evangelism break through in my community oh Lord Jesus let it happen right here in this church let it happen in our lives let it happen in our hearts in Jesus name we pray in Jesus name we pray in Jesus name we pray Would you let your spirit reach out to God right now, wherever you are, if you're joining us online, right? You let your living room be a, a prayer room for a little while. Let your kitchen be a prayer room for a little while. Uh, close your eyes, lift your hands, turn away from the distractions in your life. And for just a little mo- a moment, imagine that the presence of the Lord is right in front of you. His presence is all around you. His arms are wrapped around your circumstance. And would you praise him right where you are? Oh, Lord Jesus, we seek you. We long for you. We hunger and thirst after your work and your kingdom. I feel the presence of the Lord here today. I'm going to confess to you that as a a minister, a lot of times I, I don't know how to say what I'm feeling. I feel that very strongly today. I, I, in my flesh, I feel a sense of futility, uh, inability to really convey, to do justice um, to what is available. 
in the spirit realm. But I, I want to say this. I don't, I don't try to, I don't try to posture myself uh, as a prophet or the Lord has used me in, at times in, in ways that give his name glory, but I don't want to turn God's gift into my own marketing plan. But I, I feel something that I, I would say is almost, almost prophetic in our church this year, and I don't know how to describe it. Uh, it's just that I actually think I actually think that there are there is an opportunity uh, for uh, maybe not everyone, but I feel like there's an opportunity for some of you guys. You're going to be surprised at the opportunity you get in the next few weeks, and you're not going to know what to go with, where to go with it. But I want to tell you this: grab it with both hands and go somewhere with it, uh, because you will know. I, I feel like God wants to do, I feel like God wants to, I feel like we're, as a church we're, we're on the edge of an opportunity and I know this is the time where you're not supposed, you're just supposed to be surviving right now, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you there's something more than survival happening at First Church right now. There's something more than just holding on that's happening here at First Church. There's a moving in the spirit. I, 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 some of it I see, I, I, I mean, we've, in small things, we've baptized people lately that uh, it's a God thing. We, 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 we're not even in a time where it's something you would expect. We've baptized a lot of people. I look at that, I say, thank you, Lord. But uh, that's, that's happened before and will happen again. I, I look at the people who are finding our church. Uh, almost every Sunday in the middle of COVID, we have people, brand new families, brand new individuals, and they come in and they 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 connect. They spirits. Like, I don't know what God is doing, but I just want to go on record right now, and I want to say that there is a door, uh, an effective door of spiritual opportunity that is open to us right now. And I think it is everything a preacher. Let me let me just say this. Everything as a pastor I look to to feel like we're making a difference has been taken from me as a pastor. And not just me, but it's been taken from our pastoral team. It's been taken from our leaders in our church. Everything we look at and we feel like that's we're making a difference, it has been taken from us this year. And it's not just us. It's churches all across the, uh, the world. It's been taken for us. And you know what has left us with? is we quit looking at the things that we think we have done for the Lord. And we say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I am going to show up. And I'm going to praise you like my life depends on it. Everything that's reassuring has been broken. Everything we would lean on has been broken. And we're left only with God. And I feel more spiritual threshold right now than I, I have ever felt in this church. And that's an astonishing thing to say. That's an astonishing thing to say. But Lord Jesus, glorify your name through these people. Glorify your name through these people. Glorify your name through these people. Glorify your name through this pastoral team. Glorify your name through our directors and our leaders. Glorify your name through our worship team and our, our band. Glorify your name in this community. Glorify your name through the small groups. 
They have nothing to lean on. Lord, we don't know how to do it, but glorify your name through every small group. Glorify your name through every Zoom meeting that we're having to have. Glorify your name. We don't need to be exalted. All we need to do is reflect you. Glorify your name among your people. If you feel that way, lift your hands and say, Lord, use me to glorify your name. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.